You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you listening in today, and uh, we've got both Mr. Steve Ronaldo and Mr. Jim Weber here at the round table, and they're going to bail us out on the show. We're going to be talking thermostats and coolants and radiators and that kind of stuff, because I don't know where you are, but um, spring is sprung, fall is fell, summer's here, and it's hot as hell. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And um, mid-90s. That can only mean uh, that you your coolant and your radiator, and if you have a car with a thermostat, it's going to be working its little whatever off. So we're going to talk about them, and... uh, I wasn't aware until I talked to Mr. Ronaldo about it, our expert of experts, uh, about how early on uh, thermostats came about. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and a little bit about this, a little bit about that, and and just have a good time and get that cup of coffee and that stogie lit, and we're off and running. Good morning, guys. Hello. Yeah, uh, stogie, it's a little early in the morning. Yeah, I would think me. so, <laughs> unless you're, what's his name, the, the guy with that walks around thinks he's Wyatt Earp and smokes those old guinea stinkers. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway... Um, Outside of the fact that most radiator header tanks are plastic now and not brass anymore, and yeah. radiators are aluminum. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we can go back to the beginning. In the beginning, uh, most of the very early, early cars were air cooled because they were one cylinder. The first end, gasoline engines that were made had nothing to do with cars. They were called hit-and-miss engines. Yes. And what they did is they powered sawmills, washing machines. Imagine telling your wife, well, yeah, go out and here's, here's, here's the rope. Go start up the, the washing machine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, or they hooked the belt up to the tractors. Yeah, all Actually. kinds of stuff. And, and, and even the early tractors that were one and two cylinders, they were air-cooled. Yeah. They were air-cooled. As you didn't need in anything, and then the technology changed. And back in the early O's, uh, the first, if you will, water cooling systems came into being. I don't know exactly who was the first ones, but uh, you'll see. Like we'll pick Ford, the the uh, first model, not Model A's, but N's. N's. Nineteen oh four. Yeah. 1903. They were water-cooled. They, they were water-cooled. Okay, and, the and the radiator was huge. Yeah. A huge, huge thing. And they didn't have water pumps. They used thermosiphon. Now, thermosiphon is an interesting thing. My 1909 Maxwell and the 1910T are both thermosiphon. They don't have any water pumps. Because what happens is, as water gets hot, it expands. Mm-hmm. And what it does is, it pushes itself up from the bottom through the radiator, 
and goes out through the top hose into the block, gets heated up and heated up and heated up, and it just it just siphons itself. Mm-hmm. You don't need a water pump. Uh, but again, you got to remember that the Maxwell is only ten horsepower, and the Model T is only twenty. Mm-hmm. So it didn't. You, you really didn't have a lot. To deal with, there was huge engines. No, they they were brass. Yeah, they're all brass. And and honeycomb. Right? No, 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 no n- none of those two. Now the honeycomb radiators were on the big cars. Okay. And uh, and it looks like the 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 instead of just straight fins, the honeycomb radiator does look like honeycomb. Mm-hmm. And because of the more fins and the design of the fins, the more heat they dissipate. And you found those on big cars, uh, Stevens Duriers, uh, Pope Hartford, Stearns, this kind of stuff. Stoddard Dayton. Stoddard Dayton's big, big cars. Paris Great Arrows. Yeah, because they needed the surface area. And a lot of people don't even understand how radiators work. You know, it's the fins, and it's the air going across the fins, and the basic law of physics is heat flows to cold. So the more fin area you have contacting the tubes, the more heat that, that, that the air going across these fins can absorb. And when you get to these big radiators, these hunter honeycomb radiators, today if you have one and you have to get it fixed or have one made, you're looking at many, many thousands of dollars and a long time. There's only two or three people that I know of left in the world who do these things. And um, it's outrageously expensive. Yeah. So, so you're talking about Maine Radiator in Lewiston, Maine. And Brassworks. And Brassworks. They're in Pennsylvania, I think. Uh, no, they're out west. Out west. They're out west. Somewhere. And then uh, there's a guy in New Zealand, and I can't... Yeah, I know who you mean, but I, I can't pay. Yeah. If you go to Hershey, there's a couple of guys there. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me, when Alan was doing this uh, brass underslung, this underslung, he had to have a radiator made. There was just, the, the, he had, and it was it was honeycomb. And, and uh, he took the pictures. The guy knew exactly what it was. And he walked to these two guys, and the guy told him the price, and Alan fainted. <laughs> he called, he called the, his gut realtor and said, sell my house, I have to have a radiator made. But it's outrageous. I, that, that stuff, and it, it is an extremely serious situation for restorers because, you, you, you know, there's nobody learning to do this. You know, we've talked about that, and there, it's it's like I'll just change the subject and go to carburetors. There's few guys can do SUs, yeah. Few guys can do Solexes. There's probably more guys that can do Webers, yeah, Webers, and and, and you know Stromberg and uh, Carter and this stuff, Holly, like, and, and yeah, well, yeah, the, the because they're very and they haven't changed much. No, no. Well, I, I, the only thing is like McPherson College and... Well, they closed the one at Penn College. Oh, they did? It, the lack of interest. Oh, Penn no. Penn College is gone. That restoration program is gone. So as far as I know of, that leaves McPherson and Ball State in Ohio. What about the one in New York? 
that. Uh, oh, Alfred. Alfred. Alfred State uh, College. Yeah. 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 I don't know about them. As far as I know, it's still going. Is it still yeah, going? Yeah, yeah. As far as I know. But. Yeah. And wow. These, yeah. And these kids that go through this stuff, they're hired and they're going to make a lot of money. You know, I, I wanted to get my degree in Ethiopian place settings. Yeah. There was a giant demand for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just so you know, I needed a, a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. And, yeah. <laughs> I always thought you were a student of the Apperson Jackrabbit. I tried to catch him, but they're too damn fast. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. But, but anyway, you know, so not just this stuff. So much of this stuff in the old car hobby... Uh, is going to become unobtainable, you know, because young kids just aren't learning this trade and this craft. And and the other here here's the other interesting thing, and we've talked about this, is you get guys like us, and maybe we didn't have any money in school, and when we were younger and growing up, we had a family, or we had a Austin Healy Sprite or a Fairthorpe Electron or a Turner, anyway, some little engine sports car that didn't cost much. So now today we've got some money and we've decided, man, I'm going to go buy something and drive it. But a lot of these guys do not have the ability to fix them. No, you can't. Yeah. yeah, and the so, cost is just through and, the roof. And finding somebody to do this now is getting harder and harder. Harder and harder. A good example, I drove my Model A today, uh, just because it hasn't been out for a while. And uh, if you wanted to do a fine point Model A for Model A Restorers Club, you would have somewhere between eighty dollars and $100,000. And to, to, you just drop the car off. Call me when it's done. Uh, like Paige. Yeah, just call me when yeah. it's done. And anyway, sure, you'd win awards and you'd win all that, but it's still a $20,000 car when it's done. Yeah. That's what you're going to get for it. And people don't understand this. And if you watch those goofy shows on, on what is it called now, Motor Trend Channel? I guess. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And these guys come bring this stuff in and... I, I can't imagine if you bring a car to that Dan guy in, in Phantom Works yeah. and he has the car two and a half years. What do you think your bill would be on a on a six and a fifty five Oldsmobile? Hundred hundred plus has to be. At least and then what about if you went to Chip Foose? Well and he didn't do it for free. If 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 you went to overhaul it and said I want Oh, my car overhauled. That's another. Yeah. Oh, it's outrageous. Well, I, I was talking to a guy the other day, and he thought you could still get a paint job for a thousand or two thousand dollars. Earl Shy, twenty nine ninety five. Paint any color, any yeah. color. Yeah, but that's two thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars now. <laughs> yeah, paint jobs. We have a, a guy that comes to McDonald's for coffee as a. 67 Nova I'm not sure exactly the year but it's one of the early Novas and it's 10,000 bucks he is paying $10,000 for a paint job for this car and it's nothing special it's just a silver paint job well it's all prep and it you know $80 an hour it adds up fast well Hmm. It adds up fast, but but anyway, you know. So, 
It's a good. It, it is, and it and is getting worse. A serious problem for stuff. You know, this is where. When I was in school, when we were in school, you had you you were graduating from high school, and you had the military, or you had to go to college. You have to have a four year degree, and oh, you can't go to a tech school. Those are you know that that's for the low end folks, you know, and um, not anymore. Not anymore. No, and no. this is this is you know we do this on on a number of our shows, our military shows, and so forth. That you know the Parents, you're not getting all of the information you should in high school from the counselors or whatever they call them these days. But everybody needs to take the bull by the horn. And if you've got a kid graduating from high school, show them all of the opportunities. And there's no disgrace going to a tech school anymore. There's no disgrace no. going to a college. There's no disgrace going in the military. And the military will offer you... You know, outstanding opportunities. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic, and you get paid well now. So, uh, it's Gee, you need it's more than thirty-seven fifty every two weeks, like I did. <laughs> oh yeah, I got ninety-one dollars a month. <laughs> well, no, it's it's uh, it's it's uh, it, the opportunities in the military now are just absolutely incredible. And then you you know what we were talking about, or what you all were talking about, as far as restoration, it can be as simple as as becoming a welder. And making a hundred thousand a year. Yeah. Well, you good, know? good car mechanics are way over a hundred grand yeah. a year. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm well, sure. Well, so, te- the military teaches you the technology today that you don't learn anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's well, incredible. I a lot. Here's the magazine. Here's where the bullets go. And you pull this, and this is how they come out. Yeah. Well, you had a different <laughs> MOS. <laughs> how long did it, t- it take them to break you from looking down the barrel? <laughs> Oh yeah, it took a while. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, no but I, the opportunity. You know, this is where uh, I think that not just public school, but all schools are failing to offer the information of the potentialities of you know, if it, like I was, I always love working with my hands, and I love taking my Wisconsin. 12 horsepower engine apart and putting it back together and couldn't wait to crank it and see if I got all the pieces in the right place, you know? But, and and a lot of the schools don't know the potentials. Well, when's the last time you heard of a shop class at school? They don't have it They don't anymore. have it. Or, yeah. or a woodworking class they don't at school. I don't think school. they have that anymore. No, they don't. Wow. They and, and, well, let me back up a second. We have... Um, we didn't have it when I was in school, in, in high school, and or in, in junior high school. They starting now in junior high school, and we've been working closely with uh, Noonan uh, County and also uh, uh, Cobb. They have a they have the junior ROTC, which yes. is absolutely fantastic in that they have taken the position of. They teach civics, heaven forbid, and they teach the real history. They from a real history book, not the one page for for World War One and two pages for World War Two. And they they have taken, and then they go into uh, you know placement. What are you interested in? What do you like to do? What do you you know? And they help the kids 
we didn't get have, their placement. We didn't have that in our school. No, we didn't either. We uh, we had, but you started in fact, industrial old, start industrial arts in junior high school. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have that. We did. We had industrial arts. Yeah, but you know, and they, and even back then. You go to shop. What, what yeah, kind of person are you? Class, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. You go to that that dirty, that, yeah. the dirty place downstairs. Where yeah, <laughs> that smells. <laughs> yeah, and and well, uh, we had a we had a car shop in my high school. Yeah, oh, we had uh, an auto shop. Yeah, yeah. We, did. we had a big one. Yeah, and and yeah. Uh, you know all the teachers got their cars fixed there, and then it became popular, or people found out about it, and they started bringing their cars there, and uh, you could get them fixed for yeah. Not not nothing, but little or nothing. Well, was, uh, when I got back from Vietnam and went to college, the auto shop teacher at my high school, when I got my degree, he he pushed and pushed for me to get a teaching certificate and take his job. He wanted me to be the auto shop teacher. And, of course, now it's gone. Yes. So, because everybody needs to go to college. And you get a kid that graduates Two years an associate's degree in automotive technology starts at one hundred and ten thousand a year, and a kid that graduates from University of Georgia with a degree, a BA degree, starts at McDonald's at ten dollars an hour. Yeah. The amazing thing is places like well UTI that we've talked about. The, uh, a lot of the car companies now use them. To train, to basic, train, basic, yeah, the basic. basic. BMW does, Porsche does, a lot of them do. Yeah, a lot of them do. And those men and women that come out of there have a grasp of all of the control units. Well, basic, the yeah, basic, the basic stuff. stuff. And then they go to the manufacturer school right. to learn the specifics. Exactly, and that to me is the way to go today and most of the car dealerships shops they are here in Georgia crying for people yeah they're not, but not only that they're air conditioned yeah oh yeah it's beautiful <laughs> yeah well when we back in the old days <laughs> productivity <laughs> was in the toilet when it was 95 <laughs> degrees and it was over 100 110 in the shop uh, and then the other thing is i remember uh, yeah. in school working for a Volkswagen dealer back at the the type one beetles and stuff and in the winter time in the midwest with snow up to your eyeballs he kept his shop at 58 degrees <laughs> and he said that's because the mechanics will work harder and work faster to stay warm and i looked at him and i thought oh yeah are you stupid yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, no, well it's been proven it's over and it. over i mean i was talking to jason i said and and the guys over at at kennesaw I said, you know, this is just absolutely gorgeous and nice and air-conditioned. And he said, yeah, studies have been done by dealer NADA Dealer Association. Productivity in an air-conditioned shop is 20 to 25% higher with the technician. So it pays for itself in a couple of years. Yeah. You know, this is all what we're talking about, really, and argue with me if you want, but this is all generational and and can be blamed, quote, unquote, partially on the computers in that 
One, most parents today don't have a clue about how to change the tire, nor do they have a clue how to change the oil, nor do they have a clue about why won't it start, and I'm I'm well, turning the key, and it I won't don't, start. I don't either on this Sonata. It no, no, start it. And, uh, it drives itself and parks itself. Try, yeah, I don't, I, you know. But, you know, it's at the point that it is generational, and as, well, as, the, as the cars have changed, and parents and everybody else has gotten less interested, or they, they don't know how. I mean, everybody doesn't have a computer that they can plug in. They don't spare tires in most new cars anymore. That's a weight saving. I remember back in the 70s, General Motors had a program for their dealers called the Powder Puff. And one evening a month in the GM dealers, they would bring the wives in or the ladies that bought the cars and explain to them... What their husbands didn't, or the salesperson didn't up front when they took delivery of sure. their car. I yeah. used to do yeah. those for Honda. Yeah, and the spare tires here, and and it's it's like the other night. Peter said he, when he bought his used Rav Four, he couldn't find the jack. Well, it was underneath the passenger seat where it was supposed to be. <laughs> well, well, you know, it, it, like I said, it's generational, and we've come yeah. down, and you know, and there are a lot of kids that don't know that they would love to do it because they've never been exposed they've never had to the it. Chance. Yeah. And and now, it, it, if you if you do stuff with your hands, you know, you're it's you're inferior to sitting on your ass typing on a keyboard. Or playing and the, the game problem on is the these couch. kids get these, you know, they they get these computer degrees, and four, five, six years, whatever they knew is obsolete, and they have to start over again or continually upgrade their skills because this lifespan of that stuff is so short. Yeah. And again, it, I'll, I'll just pick Hyundai. When I started at Hyundai in '86, we had a huge. As time went on, and they sold more and more cars, we had a monstrous IT department. Huge. Now I think there's four. And everything is subcontracted out. If they have a project that needs to be done, they'll go to a computer place. And the people have these specific skills. They do it. But that's that's everything. Uh, Shop manuals, they're written by a specific company. Yeah. Owner's manuals, maybe by that company or another one. Service training, a prime example. We were just talking about that with NTI and UTI and all all those, where the texts are sent there. And we had one of our guys that worked for Steve that would teach so that we could use in Texas, in, in Dallas. Yeah. He'd teach a course there so that we could use their facilities there for a training center. Yeah, we did. I did it all over. But anyway, yeah. you know, yeah, you did it in Florida. Did it in Florida. Did it at Jackson, Mississippi. That's right. Uh, but you know, things are changing, and and eventually the, it'll become so, if you will, you know, I, I could see it almost becoming robotic. Yeah. You know, you pull in they. Shove the computer cable the in. And, they don't. And, uh, it's it's not a dirty job anymore for the most part. And they say, you know, you need to change. Yeah, they, this is the code. It means this part is yeah. bad, and I'll change it. These guys don't have these. A few guys do that still do some of the heavy line stuff. But but most of the guys have, don't even have a big toolbox. They don't have the big roll-arounds yeah. anymore because it's all... 
They take the, this electrical thing out and put a new one in. Cars don't break anymore. Yeah. Very seldom do you have mechanical issues with automobiles. It's all all this stuff. And if and if it's a component, they don't overhaul it. They do a remand. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Engines, transmissions are all. Yeah. So we ought to start a uh, Model A. Uh, there is a guy here who already does it. He has six mechanics working for him, and he's booked up for about a month ahead of time. Okay, what do we do? Nash Ramblers? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. But, you know, it, 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 it's, it's like my friend I'm going to go see when I go down to pick the Maxwell up in a couple of weeks. Uh, he tried for a long time to get an apprentice to learn this stuff. He couldn't find any kids. They'd come in. They'd be all excited. They'd see one of these old antique cars and antique car engines, and they find out you have to take it out, and you have to do this, and you have to do that, and then you have to pour the Babbitt, and you have to do this, and you have to do all this other stuff. And they left. I, 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 they just left. Yeah. I, 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 that's a shame. I... I I love working with my hands, you know, and did, and I don't do anything anymore, but uh, I can't do anything on the car because I don't know what all that stuff is anyway. Well, I do but. all the time, every day. I'm usually, especially now in the summer, I do I do stuff in the morning and I stop at noon. Yeah, uh, but he doesn't have an air-conditioned shop. No. Yeah. Well, he's the one in the house, but... <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, uh, uh, you, I bet you'll do stuff on your antique cars... Before you'd take on your Sonata, right? I couldn't. I couldn't. I don't have the equipment. Yeah. You can't even buy a shop manual anymore. You can't buy one. It's all online. It's all online. And, and uh, uh, I, it, I again, I, just quickly, now I want to get back to the cooling system stuff we were talking about. Uh, I had a problem getting my hands free to work. You know, you push the button and say, call David. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't work. So I had a bunch of people, and this I picked the car up Monday. Nobody could get it to work, and I went over to see this other guy, and he, and he uh, he said, you need a new radio. The hands-free just doesn't work. Okay, fine. Uh, but I was reading the stuff. I couldn't even, I didn't even know the technology names. I didn't know, like, the projection part of that. What the hell does that mean? I don't even know what this stuff means. It's it's way past my ability. No, it's not past your ability. It's uh, it's a my it's a conspiracy to get it back in the shop. And no, it's just a, with technology. It's yeah. all electronic stuff. And it, I, you know, it, when I got the early out and left, the technology was just starting, and it was leaving me in the dust. But the young guys that I hired, they all knew all about it. And I would have had to go back to college, go back to electrical engineering classes to understand what was going on. It was way past my... I didn't even know what was going on. And the one that always amazed me was when... I think it was Genesis first came out with a battery in the trunk. And it has an ECU hooked up to the whole car. And any time you turn something on... If you have like a, a bad connection and it's uh, causing a higher resistance, and and uh, this circuit is taking more amperage than it normally should, this computer's smart enough to know to take. Say you only have your your heater blowing at a at your air conditioner not working all the time. 
it takes the current from the air conditioning system and redirects it to this faulty circuit. How in the hell can it do that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't get I, it. I go back to remember when the first check engine light came out <laughs> yeah. in the first year with 95 or 96, and we had that one district manager that worked for us, and she got up in a meeting and said, can you take that out of those cars? Because it's causing a lot of trouble. <laughs> I, I mean, it, you, they, they, you know, it, it's it's it, the technology is is fabulous when yeah, it works. When it works, re, when it repairing, like he said, my car automatic parks. I haven't tried that. I don't even know how I, to do it. Oh, it's yeah. like it's like the other day. I, I get in mine, and uh, I really didn't want to listen to the radio. Instead of turning it down, I just punched the button to turn it off. Okay, now. I didn't realize until later that by turning the radio off, I'd punched it a little bit too hard or something, and it turned off all the GPS stuff, all of my screen, everything was yeah, gone. It was off, yeah. black, you know. And I called him, I called uh, my dealer and said, you know what, what the hell? Well, I don't know. I've never come across that. So I get to looking at a stoplight and see that that's also the power switch for everything, the radio yeah. thing. So I push it and hold it. Bam! Everything was back to working again. Yeah, and and you know with this new car and I couldn't get this to work. I called customer service, and and of course it's in California because that's where the headquarters is. And I got Brittany the surfer girl. <laughs> You know, but so so like your your hands free totally doesn't work. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> and she had no idea. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so she transferred me to another outfit this part of Hyundai called called Blue Link, which is sort of like the OnStar of Hyundai. And it's just not our stuff. We don't even know what the stuff is. <laughs> so nobody it, it's gotten to the point where it's all right, we need to take a break. Yes, we do. So I can show Steve Smart Park. Okay, we'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show? talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio. Just email gm at americaswebradio.com, and we'll get back to you. Thank you. And we're back on the round table and talking uh, craziness Scott. in yeah. computers no, no, no. and cars and uh, smart park. Yeah. Smart park. 
<laughs> but anyway, and we were going to talk about... Tell, tell me the history of the thermostat right quick, uh, Steve. Well, the early early cars, especially the big cars, one of the things you got to understand is, and one of the fallacies, and I run into this all the time with especially hot rod guys, they think it is important for their car to run as cool as they can get it, and that's 100% incorrect. The minimum temperature you want your car to run at is 180. That's what I always heard. Yes. But, see, these hot rod guys will put these things in and do all this other stuff and these giant fans and, you know. Uh, But anyhow... So in order to, to, to keep that temperature, even the big brass cars, probably in the, in the early, early 10s, 11s, 12s, came out with a thermostat that was a giant bellows. And what it did is when it was cold, the bellows w- was expanded, and as it heated, this bellows would open up a path and control the temperature of the car. A big bellows thermostat, they're, they're probably the size of a, of a coffee cup you get at Starbucks. And if you find them now, I don't know anybody who can fix these things. They're outrageous to, to find if you can find these things. Uh, so in order to keep the temperature up... Um, they're just they're just kind of hard to find, but those were the first thermostats. The the uh, so that that was the opposite. They were to keep the temperature up, up not yes, down. Yes, to keep it up because those big cooling systems, especially if you had like a a Pierce Arrow, I wish, and you lived in Buffalo, where they were made, and it was in January, it would be freezing cold constantly and engines do not like cold that's one of the biggest misconceptions now the newer cars are running 230 240 degrees i didn't know that oh yeah yeah uh and that's why we don't have temperature gauges in cars because if everybody, if we had a gauge with numbers, the average car, people would, they'd be, there'd be 10,000 cars lined up at the morning saying my car's overheating. We have N. And they put a reason, they calibrate it so it runs below N. So, oh, things fine. Even though it's 230 degrees, nobody knows the damn difference. Uh, so, so anyway, the thermostats that, that we have came out, <laughs> Sort of in the 30s, somewhere, the the type that you that you see now. Stan, who was the other one? AC. A, well, yeah, and then there, there was Stant, and there was another one that, that made. But anyway, the ones that you see that we normally have, uh, that everybody has now, were were in the 30s. Uh, and they were basically universal thermostat. Yeah, they all fit like like the the flathead Fords. Again, pick the biggest selling car, the flathead Fords. They had two because the engine uh, was actually two four cylinder engines attached together. Hmm. So they had two sides. So they had two thermostats, one for each side of these things. And that was pretty common for a lot of these these engines when they started doing the V configuration. Okay, everybody out there, raise their hand if they uh, agree with me or if they got to do this. When I was oh, from about 11 years old, 10 years old, 11 years old, about this time, maybe a little bit 
later into the fall. My job was to drain the radiator and um, put in new coolant for the winter, make sure the we didn't freeze the block or anything like that. And then in the spring, my job was to take the thermostat out and replace the thermostat. Yeah. Well, and, uh, yeah. You know, People that, did that. That was that my winter and summer job, yeah, and, or winter and, and fall job. And you used ethylene glycol. Yep. Well, you used alcohol in the beginning. Uh, alcohol in the beginning. In the beginning. I, yeah. I like looking at those mixed colors. They were, they were you know, it <laughs> yeah. was pretty. Yeah. 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 The, the, the first antifreeze was alcohol, and they'd mix it with water. And the problem is alcohol is a very low boiling point, so it would constantly be boiling away, and you'd have to add... Well, More alcohol. I also like, and raise your hands if you've ever seen one of these, the, the, uh, to check your antifreeze, you'd use the thing with the little balls Yeah, the in floating it. balls. Yeah, yeah, specific gravity. Yeah. Yeah, it was specific and gravity. So yeah. you all didn't raise your hands. Uh, that hurts my feelings. I've got two, three of those things. Yeah. yeah. And then they yeah. came out. That was the big one that looked like a big suction thing, you know. Then they miniaturized it down to about yeah, a I have a couple of the old shop yeah, tool ones. Yeah. But see, again, we can, you know, going back, when using alcohol, uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't run it in the summer, and people had to do that. They had to change, get that alcohol out and put water in because as it got hot uh, stuff wouldn't last at all and they'd overheat and blow head gaskets and I I, I can remember uh, oh god one of us in this room is old but I can remember when you had to drain the antifreeze for summer and then they came out with this new product that was antifreeze, but it was cooling at the same time that it would go. Yeah, ethylene glycol. Yeah, twelve glycol. Twelve months a year, you yeah. didn't have to change it every. Yeah, ethylene well, glycol. Well, and, and the other sad thing was with antifreeze is people drained it on the ground or into the street, and if a pet came up and licked it, it'd kill them. Yes, yeah. it will. Very deadly. Yeah. Ethylene yeah. glycol is very deadly. Yeah. The new the the new stuff, uh, Sierra, and all of that uh, is not. You can't kill animals. So there is, is that propylene glycol? I, I, think, I think so. so. Yeah. I think it's propylene glycol. And if you're going to do your own home stuff, use the propylene glycol. One of the things that people don't understand, and we can antifreeze is a very, very, very good subject because people don't get it. Uh, going back, we did have talked about alcohol. Let's talk about the green stuff that everybody had forever and ever and ever. One of the things that we used to see, especially home home mechanics who really didn't know what the hell they were doing but didn't want to spend the money, they would go down to Noah's Ark, they'd find out in their owner's manual how much it held, and they'd fill the cooling system up with antifreeze. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't work. No. <laughs> it doesn't work. It needs to have a percentage of water, preferably distilled water, and we'll get to that in just a minute. So the... Per- the standard for the industry with ethylene glycol is 50%. But the higher the content of the antifreeze, the higher the, the, the lower the freezing point, but the less conductivity it has of heat. So here in the southeast, where it never gets that cold... On the old cars, been recommended for years that you run 30%. 30% is about between 
between 10 and 16 degrees below zero. And I can tell you, and if Atlanta, if it gets 16 below zero, we got a hell of a lot more to worry about. Oh, yeah. Than, yeah. Uh, but, you know, that, that was the theory. I don't need to read the instructions. If a little bit's good, a lot yes. more is better. Yeah, oh, I mean, people just didn't read it, and they don't under, They didn't understand that stuff. Yeah. Well, anyway, we used to always tea, and this is the the best test that there is. If your your see your antifreeze gets contaminated, you have a battery. A definition of a battery is two dissimilar metals suspended in acid. So the coolant solution becomes acidic as time goes on. And just think, you have brass, copper, steel, cast iron. So you have enough to make a battery. So what we used to tell people to do is take a digital voltmeter, put the negative lead on the battery cable, negative battery cable, and put the positive lead into the coolant solution in the radiator. If it's more than two-tenths of a volt, you need to change your coolant. And then they came out with test strips, just like the doctor gives you. And you stick it in the coolant, and it changes colors, and it's looking at two-tenths of a volt. That's what it's looking for. So you don't need to go through all of this. Just get the digital voltmeter and check the coolant. But you can't let the the one in the radiator touch metal. It only can touch the coolant. Hmm. The other thing we should cover is aluminum engines because they corrode. Yeah. They get very corrosive, especially if you've got bolts running... Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And and another thing in the old days that they used to sell, you can still buy them, is a sacrificial anode. Yes. You put a sacrificial, and you got to remember, water out of the tap is loaded with all kinds of contaminants. Okay, so that makes it become acidic even faster. So the sacrificial anode is an alloy of steel, Steel, brass, copper, and aluminum. So it's got a weird name. I can't remember what it is. And you drop it down into the radiator in the, where the neck is. Instead of attacking the the engine, the radiator, any of this stuff, it eats this sacrificial anode up. Uh, they used to sell them. I, there's a name for them. I can't remember. But all the, all of the guys that were smart in the old days put a sacrificial anode, dropped it down into the radiator where they could see it and they could look at it when it went away and it would go away. They would add a new one. Hmm. Uh, you know what you were talking about, <laughs> and and this goes back to, and I love my dad very much, and but he was not a mechanic. But um, I remember. You were talking about using distilled water, which has nothing in it, basically, H two O, and um, oh, you know, and I remember, it, and I asked him about it. Now nah, that's you know, they're just trying to sell water, <laughs> so we we got our water that was pure right out of the hose, you know, <laughs> same as the house water, but. Um, you know, it, it 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 was again just lack of knowledge. Yeah. Well, nobody said anything. It was in the owner's manual, but nobody's ever read an owner's manual in their life. Well, have you seen that one? You've got this what Webster's dictionary. I couldn't read it. I I couldn't understand anyway. But so anyway, <laughs> if you're running an old car and you're using the green stuff, 
Uh, do check it with a voltmeter. You don't have to do a damn thing to it till it reads two tenths of a volt. Then you drain it out and put new ones in. Put just drain it out. Put new uh, fifty or thir- it, like here in the southeast, we use thirty percent. Uh, a- anyway, it's 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 fine. It's okay. Fifty fifty percent. It'll make it cool better. Now let's talk about all of these wonderful cooling system additives. Water, wetter. Let's talk about them after the break, okay? Okay. We hadn't taken one yet, so we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And while we have your attention, I want to remind everybody, call J.C. Taylor. They're the best. That's the best insurance you can buy for your classic car. And uh, Steve Ronaldo, just as he was saying, it's always been his company, and uh, it should be yours. Call them and get a quote, and if they ask, uh, be sure and tell them, that you heard about them on America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. And you would appreciate it. Ten percent more. And yeah, <laughs> well, that's that's Steve's cut. You know, so if you want to take care of Steve Ronaldo, and uh, you know, I, I don't know, Jim, but I uh, I heard the rumor that uh, Steve was running out of weird hats. Have you heard anything about that? <laughs> no, I got plenty. Oh, he says he's got plenty, so <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I'm just afraid if we have the uh, annual meeting in Philadelphia that, that uh, J.C. Taylor's not going to have the hospitality Yeah, suite. that's uh, another thing we're wondering. Yeah. But anyway, back to the stuff we were talking about. Uh, to me, this is very interesting. It's, people don't understand this stuff. Uh, there's all of these additives that people buy, and you, you go, it's, it, it works. But you need to read the product, what it will tell you, and it'll add on the front and say, drop coolant temperature 40 degrees. <laughs> it does if it's 100% flushed out and only uses distilled water. If you take these, this water wetter and all of these other things that are out there, 40 below is another one, and you read it, it says by the percentage, if you're running... A high percentage of ethylene glycol, and you just dump it in. It drops the temperature between two and four degrees. Wow, we was that worth twenty dollars? Uh, people don't read the stuff, and then they get mad because it doesn't work. You know, I got the answer for that. Uh, people don't read, so everything should be in picture form, and show a picture of putting a bottle of water in. Putting a you know, and let them do it by pictures as opposed to well, trying to read. Yeah, it, it's it, it's been a problem. And then now what's happened is that um, starting in somewhere with emission stuff, and people started changing things and doing things, and manufacturers did stuff. All of these new coolants came out. 
the one that's the most prominent that everybody complained about was GM's Dex Cool. DEX Cool. And there's there was so much stupid misinformation about Dex Cool. Um, if you if you went to say a parts store and you had the good old green stuff and you had deck school there, the deck school was about twice as much. So people say, "Hell, I ain't buying that stuff. I'm just getting the green stuff." And they start mixing it up, and it turns into jelly, and it turns into an exceptionally strong acid, and will eat the aluminum away. Okay, so if your car comes with any of the like Toyo Cool. Any of these stuff, read the owner's manual and use what it says. Okay, what? Okay, let's get the guy that has the classic car, really a classic car, uh, earlier than 1930 maybe or something. What damage can they do by using, uh, you know, what? Besides going to somebody who knows what they're talking it, about. No, it, it was for the aluminum stuff. Yeah, yeah, the green stuff is, is the, fine. The green the, stuff is fine. Okay. The green stuff is yeah. fine. But but they changed all of this, and, and, and it, it's just, uh, it got very, it's gotten very confusing. And then I've read reports that, you know, you go in, and it says, um, uh, you know, all cars, all everything coolant. You better read what it says, and you better know the certification of the coolant you're supposed to use because it's all listed on the back. Chrysler has one. Ford has – everybody has their own. But there's still a lot – like Hyundai, for example, still uses the old green stuff. Hmm. Only it's – I, I can remember <laughs> many years ago when a lot of folks – would take their car into a shop to have the radiator drained and and flushed and flushed yeah yeah well if you do a good job and you get rid of all of the green stuff or all of the deck school i'll pick deck school and this is what we we were telling people back then flush it all out get it all out then you can use the green stuff if if that's important to you, you know. Again, uh, I learned, but you know, you say flush it out, and and people would say, okay, well, you know, you've drained it out. You can't start the car. Yeah, you can. You put water back in the radiator. You start well, you it. Put a hose in and yeah. just open the drain. And it, a lot of cars now have a block drain too. Yeah. Yeah. Open the block. Open the radiator drain. Put the hose in and just let it run till all you see is perfectly clear, clear water. water. And make sure you have the heater on to get Flush the heater, the heater. Core yeah. flushed. Yeah. Yeah. People don't even. No. They don't think about that. No. Then. Yeah. But, turn the heater on. Yeah. Here, but it's hot outside. <laughs> here's another wonderful invention, and that was the catch tank. So the, yeah. you didn't drain the coolant onto the ground like you did years ago, and it goes into the catch tank, and it works back and forth in the radiator. And then it thermosiphons back yeah. in, so uh, so you didn't you didn't lose the stuff. So if you got an old car, and you've already gotten your AACA National, and you want to drive it now, put a catch tank. You're on not it. concerned about yeah, yeah. You can buy you can you can buy the recovery systems, and they have some nice look at the first ones. My old Cadillac I've had for so many years has the plastic, ugly-looking thing from, you know, that you would you would find at Walmart. But they have nice-looking ones yeah, now, yeah. and you have to read the directions if you're going to do that, because read. you have to mount it at a certain. I can't remember if it's 
has to be the the cap for the recovery thing has to be either lower or higher. There's all this stuff about doing it. It has to be set up correctly. Yes. Uh, and, and these hot rod guys, they'll buy this these real nice things, and they, they complain it doesn't work. <laughs> well, you put it in wrong. And I can't remember without the directions myself uh, with this. So, getting to back, getting to the new the, the newer systems. Use what it tells you, and if you're going to use this universal stuff. Be sure, and it'll tell you in your owner's manual what the the GM or Chrysler or uh, certification is. Make sure that's listed on this forever everything coolant that you buy, <laughs> uh, because you could be doing yourself some serious damage yeah. with this stuff. Well, anyway, we talked about the recovery systems. Uh, that came out in, again, 70s. The emission stuff has affected engine cooling systems probably more than anything. One of the other things I find is really interesting is everybody wants an aluminum radiator. They've got to have aluminum radiator, got to have aluminum radiator. Well, it's been proven over and over and over and over <laughs> that the brass copper radiators dissipate more heat than an aluminum radiator. But it ain't shiny. <laughs> and it's heavy. <laughs> it ain't shiny. <laughs> yeah, and they're heavy. I open my hood up on my 55 with that LS 3942. <laughs> Don't look good. <laughs> if you, you know, yeah. yeah, the brass copper radiators have are, are more efficient. Yeah. Well, but today it's a weight-saving thing. It's a weight-saving thing a new car. and cost of manufacture. Yes. Brass and copper is very expensive. Yeah, and plastic and aluminum is Is nothing. And, yeah. and, again, their life expectancy is not like the old, hell, I, my Model A radiator, I don't think I've ever had that one done, and that's 70 years old. You remember the old term, rotted out? Yeah, rotted out. Yeah, rod the radio. Take the upper tank off. And, and there, we have a, We're fortunate here in, in, in where we live. There's an old radiator shop that's been around since forever. Mm-hmm. And the, the oldest guy, Alton, just died a couple of years ago. And he had worked there for 60-some years. And his apprentice now, who's 139, <laughs> is still there and... I just brought the brass Model T radiator down there to have him rod it out and clean it out and all this stuff. And he could do it. Yeah. He knew exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you will find these kind of guys. Well, you know, let me back up from the start of the show today. Just that term. Which one? Rod it out. Yeah. You know. That's R-O-D, by the yeah, way. Rod, you run a not, rod down. Not down R-O-T. Yeah. <laughs> R-O-D. But, you know, up. this is, we're going to lose this. And we're losing it daily if we don't get our kids who, involved. And Who can put a set of points in now? Points? <laughs> points? What? <laughs> I do it all the time. Uh, I may not gap them exactly right, but I can put them in. Oh, I and have the old gap tool. With oh, yeah. Day. I yeah. still got it. With I a, have with a, too. I mean, with a dial indicator. Yeah. The other thing is you just use a matchbook cover. Yeah, 20,000. Yeah. yeah. That's close enough for government work. 
Oh, and yeah, run. I know. I, listen, I've been there, done that. But, yeah. you know, it's like... And Who has matches in you? When's the last time you saw a match? I haven't had a match yeah. since Superman died. Yeah. What about uh, what about putting a set of... Uh, you're talking about putting plugs in. What about a set of points? Well, that's what I was just oh, talking oh, okay. about. I yeah. thought you were talking about putting plugs in. No, no, points. Points, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I know Steve has one. I don't have one anymore, but... And then timing it. Timing, I, I, timing I have, light. I have, I have several because when you're doing the real old cars, you can't use a new style timing light because the old cars use solid copper core ignition wires and the magnetic electrical mag EMF field around a spark plug wire is about a foot and a half. <laughs> and you put an induction on there, it will not work. You can't use a digital voltmeter on old cars. You, you know, have when to I, use an analog meter. When I first learned how to do timing with a timing light, you know, and, and you've got the distributor loosened so you can twist it around a little bit, I had been well shocked before, uh, out of my own stupidity, obviously, but, you know, and the thought of putting my hand on the distributor cap. I figured I was going to get my head blown off with a shock, you know? Well, and, yeah, if it was a bad cap and it was yeah, leaking, yeah. you would. <laughs> but, but anyway, you know, I got past that and did it and learned how to time it. And I loved I, In fact, that was probably one of the things I enjoyed the most was timing because you had the timing light and then you wanted to yeah. sync it with the Well, we used to enough. time them with a vacuum gauge yeah. for the race cars. Yeah. And and you put it till you get turn it very slowly till you get the highest manifold vacuum and then you back it off a smidge, which is a very technical term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, did, okay. Otherwise, you'd hold a piston. Did, before did you, you ever have the term RCH? I don't know. Oh, uh, we're not going on the air with that one. <laughs> but but if, in a race you car, have heard of that, huh? When you run a magneto. If I were telling you, you hold the spark plug wire and I just moved it <laughs> oh, up no, in, no. It, it would kill somebody with a pacemaker. Yeah, yeah. You well, know, and and you know, it's funny, Jack. Jack, my friend with the Stevens Durier, the Duesenberg, and all this stuff, he has a pacemaker, mm. and he cannot drive those cars or get near the hood of those cars with them running. Uh, the the guys with the the uh, magneto and the old coils. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. because it'll kill them. Yeah, it'll kill them. Yeah, I can remember we used to mess around if we had a scintilla vertex or a hunt magneto when we spin it a little bit and hand it to somebody. <laughs> Just, yeah, I mean, it, we you were not a nice person. Oh, and then the, the the stupid parts guy. If he gave you the wrong parts, you charge a condenser and lay it on the. On the parts counter, he'd pick it up and shock the shit out of him just because he was a jerk. <laughs> okay, folks, uh, I think we're about there, you know. Yep. We're getting very close to it anyway. We probably and, uh, lost half our listeners. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're still laughing. And uh, they appreciate what you all do. They appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, it, it's serious. You know, just, just like our situation is right now in the world but this is serious and we're going to work with uh, Steve Moskowitz some more and whatever else we can do to uh, help folks see how important it is to keep this hobby going well, we need and, uh, to get Stacy Zimmerman on too. Yeah, we'll get Stacy on. She and, writes uh, that wonderful newsletter. And uh, we'll get her on. I'll try to get her on next week. But how important this is for you parents and grandparents that are listening. 
Talk to your kids about it. Explain it. Take them to museums and uh, let them know. Anyway, we got to get out of here and put the plug in the jug. We're out of here, folks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.